0: So he wants us to be filled with hope, but not the sort of pithy, you know, empty, optimistic kind of hope, but a real significant hope that's based on knowledge and experience. Uh, A hope that's based on something beautiful, mysterious, but absolute. What — why can we have hope? What is the basis of hope that will not disappoint? It's the kind of hope that will not disappoint. It will actually be something that uh, will be real and foundational in our lives. Romans 5. We're going to continue in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 5. Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Last week, we talked about faith, and that we are justified by faith. Faith is the great leveler. It is a combination, like we said last week, of something we believe, understand, intellectually we believe, and an action, or a response, or trust. Belief plus action. And in the middle is this space, which we talked about last week. And then he also says here at the beginning that we boast in the hope that we will share in the glory of God. And we know that, uh, that Jesus was the glory of God. And so when he is saying this, we want to, we desire, our hope is to boast in becoming more like Jesus. To become more like Jesus. To be Christ-formed. He goes on. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. He was writing this to the church in Rome that was the first church made up of Gentiles, Greeks, uh, people basically other than Jews that were coming into the congregation, becoming part of this church, and also Jews, Hebrews. And when he was saying, we boast in our suffering, and he goes on in that uh, uh, sort of uh, equation there, the people that were becoming part of that first church in Rome were legitimately experiencing suffering. For a Jewish person to become a follower of Jesus meant that they were leaving, in many cases, their family or their extended family who were still uh, following Judaism. It meant that they were leaving their traditions. In many cases, that meant that they were being kicked out of the synagogue, which was essentially the social fabric for them. In order to be in the church, the first church of followers of Jesus in Rome, the Jewish people would undergo significant suffering. And likewise, also the Gentiles. For them, it would often mean an impact to their business. In fact, in many cases, it meant that they had to change their line of work. They were coming from all kinds of ways of doing business. Some of them were idol makers. They were carvers and they made idols. There were all kinds of businesses. And when they forsook that, when they made a choice to follow Jesus, there was legitimate, significant suffering that they were undertaking to be a follower of Jesus and to be part of that church. And so he's speaking to their very real life experience. The problem with suffering, of course, that we have today is that it's very confusing for us, and we tend to want to avoid it. Our aim, primarily today, our aim is comfort. And I'm not talking about just any kind of suffering, like a challenge or something like that, or the kind of stub your toe kind of suffering talking about a kind of suffering that is particularly because of our faith, a suffering that comes to you as a result of the way you choose to live, the way you choose to run your business, the way you choose to raise your family, the way you uh, live morally or virtuously. When When you choose to live that way and it brings you suffering, that's the kind of suffering based on your faith that is being spoken of here. And we're so conditioned that any kind of suffering needs to be mediated. It needs to be reduced, eliminated, or taken. That, that we're so conditioned to be drawn towards comfort that when we experience or when there's even the prospect of suffering as it relates to our faith, we avoid. We just think that that is naturally horrible, bad, and we need to do anything to avoid it. And we're also confused by this uh, concept of hope we confuse it often with the idea of a wish. You know, a wish is something that is a desire that is based on my desire, something that I wish for. Often it's unattainable. I wish I could have that shot over again in golf. I wish I could go back and do things differently, or I wish this or I wish that, which is not hope, as we're going to discover. Hope is something else. It is based on knowledge and experience. It's based on something very real, And the Lord wants us to get our hopes up. For us to get our hopes up. But why? What is the basis of hope that will not disappoint? I want us to reread this first five verses of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Look at those lines again in verse 3 and 4. Not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. There's, There's an upside to the downside of life. There's an upside to suffering. What Paul is wanting to do is change the way of thinking of the first congregant church in Rome. He's wanting us to consider, he's wanting them and us to consider another view of suffering. It's not something that we look for. It's not even something that we like. But it is also not something that is to be avoided at all costs. There is a prospect, a potential to suffering because of your faith. You've heard me say this acronym from uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, YZ Addy, what you see is all there is, but what you see is not all there is. When you come across and when you perceive suffering because of your faith, your brain will jump to the conclusion and try and run away from it or reduce it. But we actually know that there's something potentially good, something can happen as a result of suffering. We know this. If you think of gardening, you think of uh, dirt and manure, and you bury something in dirt and manure, and out of this comes stuff that we eat. You know this in mining, when you come across uh, something that looks just rugged and hard and impenetrable and impossible, and yet, for some reason, miners will continue to go, and they will go at this very difficult, because there's something good there after all. And what Paul is explaining through this equation is he's actually describing how character development... The way we are formed in Christ, it is a crystal formation, a Christ formation. Suffering brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. This is actually parallel to the life of Jesus Christ himself. Suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, proven character. That word proven character means that something genuine is revealed through the process. Through the testing, it is revealed. I want to illustrate that this morning. What Paul is describing. This could be illustrated through distillation. It's actually a character or a spiritual distillation that Paul is describing, but for our purposes this morning, I'm going to illustrate it through uh, filtration. So life gets stirred up, you decide you're going to live a certain way. Young people, you decide that maybe you're going to wait with having uh, intimate relationships until you get married, and that's just so uncommon these days, but you decide that's the way it's going to be, and you get ridiculed for that. Maybe you're going to conduct your business in a certain way so that it's honest and it's transparent, and you're going to do things in a in a virtuous way, and you get heckled for that, or maybe you lose business because of that. Maybe your life is, uh, business isn't as profitable, and if things get stirred up and roiled up. But it's through that testing and through that suffering, and you persevere, and so this filter acts kind of as that moment of suffering. My filter is a little slow here. I adjusted it from when I was doing it, my first test, so the scientists know that you shouldn't do that. You should not change your variables. And that filtering, that filtration, What he's saying is that suffering produces perseverance and you keep going and you keep going and then you have proven character, which is you discover what is actually going on and you discover the character. You discover the character of Christ in you. You discover something. Hope the way Paul describes it In Romans 8. Hope is something that we imagine. Hope is what happens. It's in the space between the the challenges of life, the stimulation that comes in life, and our response. And in there is a hope. It's our idea. It's projecting an idea, an imagination. We imagine something that is good in our future. he actually says in Romans 8 that we are saved by hope. See if I can get that here. 8:24 For in hope we are saved. We were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? The reason we have hope when we are tested and we persevere and we discover, the reason for our hope, what Paul is saying, is that we discover that we have God's love. What we discover through this testing and this perseverance is that we have God's love. God's love is the reason and the basis and the foundation for our hope. It is because of His great love for us. It is His love that gives us that hope. His love that we have as a church, as a congregation, His love that is in the world, and His love that He gives to each of you. And the source of that love, that comes from the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is actually putting this love in us. He is pouring love into us. I have been studying um, this idea of memory and hope and love, and especially through the, the, the lens of Jeremiah. And it was Jeremiah the prophet who saw the destruction of Israel. And he's sitting there. His, the Israelites have been taken away to Babylon. The city is lying in ruins. And he says, when I think about my homelessness and my affliction... All I remember is the bitterness and the gall. He says, my soul is bowed down within me. But then he makes this remarkable turn. He makes this turn and he said, but this I call to mind. Lamentations 3, 19 to 23. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope in the midst of literally the death and destruction of the people and the city. He says, for this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His compassion, it never fails. It is new every morning. And then there in the stench and the smoke and the rubble, he makes this exclamation, Great is thy faithfulness. How is that possible if it isn't because he recalls his experience of the living Lord's love? He knows and he has experienced. He recognizes the Lord's love. The Lord makes his first move towards us. He comes toward us in love. He says yes first. He says yes, I love you. Yes, I love the church. Yes, I love you. And then by the Holy Spirit, he says, if you're willing to accept my love, I will put my yes in you. By the Holy Spirit, who indwells believers and pours love into us, he says, I will put my yes in you, and you will respond in love as well. And so this is, really happening in the inner part of our lives, the the cognitive domain where hope begins to move and begins to have its way. The power of God's love, as we've expressed, led Jesus to the cross, but the power of God's love also raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God's love raised Jesus from the dead. And that love and that Holy Spirit are among us right now. And in you, if you were a follower of Jesus, that same love and Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here and in you. And so that isn't meant to be the last chapter or the the way life in the world un, unfolds and finishes at the end. That's meant for us as a lens and a perspective in the way we live today. I want to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've accepted him and the Holy Spirit that you cannot die. You cannot die. You cannot die. You cannot die. We have done a lot of funerals, and we have done many. And we have seen friends and loved ones, and we have buried them, and they have been cremated. But the Lord Jesus is raised from the dead, and so likewise, followers of Jesus, we will be likewise. So our hope is based on the love of Jesus Christ, his loyal love, his renewable resource of kindness and love and grace and mercy. And that's the kind of love that informs and is the basis and shapes the kind of hope that I have and that you have. It begins by asking yourself Have you experienced, do you have, and have you experienced some of God's love? Have you experienced, do you know His love? Have you recognized that in your own life? And are you willing to testify to that? And will that help you in moving forward and hoping about some future goodness? Will that influence and shape what you see and hope for in the future? You know, personally, uh, we have two daughters. They live in Ontario. And when I think about being a parent, sometimes I think, well, I wish I could go back 20 years and do some things differently. That's a wish, because I can't. What I will tell you, if you were a parent or a guardian, is consider how much time you spend doing something for your family and how much time you spend doing things with your family and bring that back into balance. Because what you do with them is also what you're doing for them. But that's a wish for me. But my hope is, I know that the Lord Jesus Christ pursued me when I drifted away from my faith. And He didn't let me get too far. And I know that to be true in my life. And so my hope is that the Lord will continue to be with and pursue my daughters and that He will draw them ever closer to Him. And it's based on my experience and my knowledge of who God is and the recognition of what I already have in my life. We're going to take a moment here For some Q&R. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the music team to come up. And we're going to have a chance to do some Q&R. You can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca, or you can stand up where you are, and we'll take a few questions, and then we'll conclude. So if you want to text or email, I should have mentioned that earlier, we're just zipping along here this morning. But you can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca, or you can stand up and we'll take your, your questions now. And we'll just do a, a moment and then I want to conclude. So if there's a, a question that you have, uh, if not, then we'll keep right on moving. We'll also, you can do that after. Oh, yes, uh, Fritz. You missed what the illustration was meant to do. Yes. Yeah, it's not my best work, Fritz. Um, but good. So what, right, that's good. A fair, fair question. So. what what Paul was saying, he was using this equation where he was saying suffering brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character and proven character hope. So those first three, suffering, perseverance, and proven character. So you could do this by distillation. I'm using filtration. But the idea is, again, this water mixture, right? And suffering is this filtration. I'm using suffering, the filtration to exemplify uh, suffering. So suffering is a filtration of sorts, or it's a distillation of sorts. And going through that suffering, that distillation or that filtration, will bring about what Paul calls proven character. Proven character is the genuineness of what, who we are. And when we come through this, and the genuineness of who we are, we see, of course, this filtered, clear water is part of it. But we also, through that genuineness of who we are, Recognize and realize, we come to the realization of God's love in us and with us. And that necessarily can come through the filtration or the distillation that happens through suffering that brings about that realization. And when we come to that realization, this is the basis that we have hope. We come to realize that in the middle of the difficulty and if we persevere and we come and we recognize that God's love is in me, that I have God's love, that He has loved me and helped me in the past, then I can have hope for the future. I can have hope for my family member. That is a basis for hope of something good happening in the future. I hope that brings some clarity. Thanks, Fritz. It's a mulligan, a science mulligan. We do have a question here in the inbox. Are you able to provide some strategies in accepting today's realities while hoping that things will be better in the future? Yeah, strategies given today's circumstance that things are going to be going to get better, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So I imagine that there will come a day, and I have said this to a few people, I've floated this to a few people, and I have seen the visible recoil, at even imagining this is a possibility. But I imagine that there will come a day when we will gather together, we're going to have one massive, huge gathering service with everybody and that, coming together, and we're going to, uh, at one point during the worship service, we're going to take our masks off, and we're going to throw them in the air, and we're going to let them hit the ground, and we're not going to pick them up. After, after, them okay? Up. I can imagine that. And I, I, I know that when I sort of float that out to people, I actually get people with almost like this uh, incredulous r- reverb. They just all of a sudden go like, whoa, I'm not even sure I'm allowed to think that right now. Am I going to get arrested for thinking that? <laughs> but here's my hope. The Lord Jesus Christ loves the bride, the church. And my hope is that Westview and other churches are going to be around next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. My hope is based on the Lord's love of His bride. And whether we toss these masks off or whether we sing loudly through them, my hope is that we're going to be here for a long, long time okay? That's my hope. And because of that hope, I get up in the morning, and I go to the worship service. I get up in the morning, and I join on live stream, or I attend in person. Because my hope isn't based on all these other things that are wishful thinking, but my hope is based on the love the Lord Jesus Christ has for His bride, the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So that's how we organize our hope. We start with the Lord and His love and who He is and His relationship and His desire for us, and then we can place that hope that we have, and it shapes and informs the kind of hope that we have. Something good is going to happen in the future. And the last question in the inbox is, how can we acknowledge and hold on to hope for longer than a fleeting moment when life seems utterly hopeless? Yes. Yes, that's very true. So how can we hold on to hope even for a moment when life seems utterly hopeless? You know, I, I read somewhere that we can go about 40 days without food. We can go a maximum of about eight days without water. We can go about four or five minutes without air. But we can't go more than a few seconds without some kind of hope. So how do I have hope? when the circumstances around us seem hopeless. And here's, I, again, I, I'm a broken record on this, but I come back to allowing... This is first in the cognitive domain, not in the sensory domain of, of uh, uh, touch and feel, but cognitively what we know and what we have experienced and understand who Jesus Christ is. His loving-kindness never ceases. His love never stops. His compassion never fails. His love is with us. His love is with you. And I am sorry, whoever this person is that is experiencing that real devastation of hope when it feels like circumstances are hopeless. And we are being shaped and formed through that filter during this time of suffering. But we can know and be reminded, recall often the Lord's love. His love for us his love for each other, his love for the bride, the church. Remember and recall those things. We need to be... Thanks, uh, EJ. Um, We're going to conclude here because I want to finish actually with jumping on that question. You know, uh, there's something... The way our brains work, we associate um, associate things and we associate suffering with just wrong, bad, and to be avoided. But what Paul is telling us is that we can actually associate suffering as a way of simplifying, a way of distilling, a way of filtering out, and a way of getting back to the gold, which is the love of God. And by putting our minds to that, Eric Kendall's a a neuroscientist and a Nobel Prize winner, and he talks about the fact that we have this selective memory, that we are, that, that our selective attention encodes things, and so we pay particular attention to certain things. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, as followers of Jesus, were selectively paying attention to the love of Jesus Christ, that we know and that we see in other people, that you would pay attention, that you would selectively notice the Lord's love, and that that would give us hope. And maybe it is because of the Lord's love and you wonder about your future. If you're a young adult and you're going to university and you're wondering about your future, I can tell you, the Lord knows you and He loves you and He has a future planned for you. You can place your hope on Him even though you're not sure what you will do after school or in those early years of work. And maybe it's your health and your concern because your health is nebulous and it's uncertain. But you can place your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ because he formed your inward parts, he stitched you together in your mother's womb, and he knows you and is caring for you and is compassionate towards you. And when you have hope, you give other people hope. And it is a reason for us to get our hopes up.